On this happy Halloween day, I want you to think about some of the costumes you have worn in the past, or maybe the costume you're wearing right now, or will wear tonight. What is it about dressing up as someone or something else? Why is that so much fun? Do we get tired of being just me? Do we long for a moment, for a day to be someone else, more exciting, someone different? Psychological experiments have shown that our self-perception and our behavior change according to what we're wearing. So researchers, for, for example, found that people are much more attentive when they are wearing doctor's coats. The article I was reading then went on to conclude that a doctor's coat is definitely the better choice of clothes for an exam than a bikini. Why? Because women are worse at calculations while wearing a bikini. And obviously that goes for men in Speedos as well, I'm just saying. That's something to think about during today's parade of costumes. But for our purposes this morning, I will try to convince you to put on hope. To put on hope like a costume. And if we can manage to do that, it will change our self-perception and our behavior. We are in a sermon series entitled Dimensions of Hope. And we've been looking at this valuable quality in the Old Testament and the New Testament because hope is in short supply today. Its absence makes our living bleak and its presence brings us new life. In fact, Pastor George preached on that phrase last Sunday, a living hope, a beautiful expression of the vibrancy and the buoyancy that hope brings. Life is so much better with hope. Our passage today comes from Colossians 1, verses 3 through 6, and this is really one long sentence in the Greek. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel, that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. Did you notice that biblical trio that shows up everywhere in the New Testament? At the end of the great love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, these three abide, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love. Those are the triplets that skip down the road of our heart hand in hand, spreading goodness in their wake. And wherever the three abide, wherever they dwell, that is a place of riches. By contrast, their absence makes the heart shrivel. Faith, hope, and love, that's how Paul wrote it in 1 Corinthians, but here in Colossians, he writes it in a different order, and I don't know if you caught that. Here Paul says, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So here, love and hope are switched in order. It's faith, love, and hope. And it may be true that the greatest of these is love, but what it's saying here is that we wouldn't have love or faith without hope. Hope is the support 
for faith and love. Hope is the underpinning for love and faith. And in that sense, it's foundational because it supports the outcome of faith and love. To put it a little bit differently, hope has an affirming, life-giving effect on our faith and our love. Now, you may naturally be a hopeful person. You have in your personality wheelhouse a huge advantage over the person who may naturally be a pessimistic person. And so life hits you differently. You can bob on top of the waves on your hope surfing board. The optimist is always expecting something positive to happen right around the next corner of life. On the other hand, the pessimist or the realists, as they prefer to call themselves, always expect the shoe to drop. Things are going too well, it can't last. When is reality gonna slap us upside our head? The pessimist's inner tube has sprung a lot of holes and rather than bobbing on the top of the waves, they tend to be down in them, the waves slapping their face instead of going above it all. But we should know by now in our series that the hope that the Bible is talking about does not come from our personality. A personality-driven characteristic, that natural hope or the, its natural absence is not the hope find, found in the Bible. Each of the life-filling biblical trio of faith, hope, and love come from outside us, from beyond our control. And this may be troubling news to the optimist who has always been able to manifest positivity and take credit for a lot of the good that has come to them, but it's fantastic news to the pessimist who can't produce inner positivity in enough quantity no matter how much they try. It's great news to the sufferer who has had to live long time with an insoluble burden and it's very welcome news to all of us when we come to the end of our coping skills, when our minds are not functioning well, when our discipline is shot, and when we age and we can't reverse the losses that come with age. God is the giver of hope. And as, as in all of God's gifts, we don't have to deserve it to receive the God-given hope. Hope doesn't originate inside of us. It originates with God. And God's gift of hope is there for us to receive. It's there, but where is there? I'm glad you asked because our verse today tells us where the there is. The hope laid up for you in heaven. So let me tell you what this means for us. Hope is in the most secure place possible. Moths and rust corrupt our treasure here on earth. Stock markets crash. Embezzlers can steal all of our life savings. Illness sneaks into our body unbidden. Despite the care we take, we get ill. Catastrophes fall on us. Anything that we have here on earth can be taken away from us. But hope, and I want you to hear this good news today, hope is laid up for us in heaven. Nothing is going to touch it. Nothing is going to happen to it there. It will not diminish. It will not leak away. It will not depreciate in value. It will not get nicked or broken or tarnished. It cannot be stolen, no. 
an abundance, a profusion, a lavishness of hope is laid up safely and security, securely in heaven. And it's laid up for who? Me? Yes. You? Yes. Hope is laid up for you in heaven, our scripture says. So will it be there when we need it? Yes. Can we access it? Yes. Can we receive more than our share? Yes, because it's not measured in quantity. It's not rationed. It's just simply and eternally yours. That hope belongs to you and me when we commit our lives to Jesus Christ. It then becomes a permanent gift from our Heavenly Father, the giver of all good gifts. And this means that hope is not tied to feelings. It doesn't appear when we're feeling good and then disappear when we're feeling low. Hope is an objective reality quite apart from us. Hope is laid up in heaven for us. Do you know how as Christmas comes close and the presents are bought and then stored away somewhere in secret in the house before they get wrapped and put under the tree, Gifts are hidden at the top of the closet shelf, out of eyesight, out of reach of little hands. They are laid away until the right gift opening time. And the little ones already know they're getting a gift for sure, but they can't access the location and they haven't seen the gift with their eyes, but they know it's there and their eyes shine when they think about it and their feet dance a little dance in anticipation. And then, when the gift is wrapped, it's put under the Christmas tree. And now the kids can see it, but they still are not to open it. And they know they've got to wait for it all the way to Christmas morning. And of course they want it beforehand. Of course they want it now, but the gift is real. And soon, very soon, they'll get to open it. Hope is laid up for us in heaven, a gift with our name on it. And like the Christmas gift, we will not fully unwrap it, receive it until we get to heaven. Sometimes it's hidden from us and we can't make it out. We just believe it's there. We can't see it. But unlike the Christmas gift, sometimes we experience some of it now. Just knowing that it's there just trickles, sloshes some of that hope into our hearts today in anticipation. There's an interesting phrase in the middle of our passage in verse five, five and six. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you, just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world. And the word there is the Greek word cosmos, the whole cosmos. So it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. The gospel is described as the word of the truth. The good news of Jesus is where we first start to hear about this biblical hope and we cannot discern the existence of our heavenly hope for ourselves, we must be exposed to it. To it. And thus the Apostle Paul tells us that our knowledge about this hope that is laid up for us comes from the gospel. 
And the effect of hearing and comprehending the gospel is that it bears fruit in us and grows in us. Those of us who have opened our hearts to this good news, but far beyond us to the whole cosmos. The gospel from the beginning has the tendency and the energy and the power to fill and govern the whole world so that Paul, you know, when he wrote these words, there were so few Christians, so few of them. But he wrote with confidence that the gospel has the power to bring growth and fruit in the whole world, even though it hadn't happened in his lifetime. The word of the truth is efficient, it's productive, it's powerful, it brings forth fruit in the souls of those that receive it. And the word of the truth tells us that hope is laid up for us in heaven. A hope that is based on God's salvation plan to love and redeem his whole creation through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the big promise that we can lean our whole weight on. I have a mental picture in my mind of a missions trip to Ghana we went to visit the Amazing Grace School, and Robert, my husband, was trying to explain American football to our host, Osofu Joy Monte. This distinguished man, Dr. Monte, was one of the founders of the school. He was also um, in charge of all the Presbyterian churches in Ghana. He was very head up in the Presbyterian rank of things, and he was high up in the leadership of Trinity Theological Seminary in, in uh, Lagos, Lagos, wherever, Accra, what am I, I, I'm in the wrong country, Accra. So this was a man, he was a man of weight. Well, he was a fairly big man, but I'm talking about weighty importance, a man of importance. And so Robert is explaining American football and in order to make his point, he suddenly rushed Dr. Monty and wrapped him up in his arms and lifted him off of the ground. <laughs> and everybody's eyes went big. It kind of took our breath away. We were like, it was very alarming, actually. <laughs> but fortunately, he didn't tackle the man. As he held him up, he said, now I would crush you into the ground if I was playing American football with you. He just told him about that part of it, thankfully. But Dr. Monte said, I haven't been held off the ground since I was four years old. <laughs> we can lean our whole weight on God's promises. No matter how grown we are, no matter how important we are in our circles, no matter how independent we are, our weight, and I'm not talking about poundage here, but substance, our heft, our place in life, no matter all of that, we can lean our whole weight on God's promise of salvation through Jesus Christ. And in fact, we must, in order to fully receive the hope that is laid up for us in heaven, we must rest our whole weight on Jesus. Truly comprehending the grace of God means that we acknowledge that we need forgiveness, 
We deserve judgment for what we've done wrong and we have received grace instead, that free and unearned gift of God. And if we set even one toe on the ground so as to ease God's burden in carrying us, to make it just a little bit lighter for him to carry us, so as to earn a smidge of that heavenly hope on our own, that toehold is gonna keep us stuck where we are away from God's gift of grace and away from our heavenly hope. So listen to God's promises through his word. Know and believe that there is hope laid up for you in heaven. Just know that it's there for the right time. The right time, when is that? Well, it's when we die, of course. It's quite a perspective changer that when we die, which is an event we think of with great sadness, that's the right time. That's when we actually get to hold this gift of hope in our hands and see it and realize it with our own eyes and experience it in our own bodies. This will be our culmination of our adoption into God's family. And until then, hope is laid up for us in heaven and has leakage into our present life. Heaven can't even contain all the hope stored up for us. So, so much so that it just leaks on down to us every once in a while. And our everyday life is stamped by Jesus. Well, we don't have to go too far for hopelessness to start to sink in. All you have to do is start scrolling on your social media. It's dangerous to the feelings of hope. And some of you may not be feeling very hopeful today, but that's okay because you have to feel whatever it is that you are feeling, whatever you're going through. You have to be true to what you're going through and what you're feeling. Maybe you've discovered that you can't self-help your way into hope, into more hope. That's actually a good place to be because as long as we're carried by our natural hope, we're not being carried by God. And we're not relying on living hope, heavenly hope. So my encouragement to us today is to put on hope. Put it on. Try it on for size. Put it on in prayer. Ask God, the giver of hope, to give you some when you need it. And then watch your self-perception and your behavior change as you wear hope. My article on the effect of wearing costumes tells us that when we don a Superman costume, unconsciously, you will take the associations of strength and confidence and justice and apply them to yourself when we're wearing your Superman or Super Wonder Woman, whatever, costume. As a result, you shift your role accordingly a little bit away from everyday person to superhero. You see, that suit really can make you Superman, even though only to a very limited extent. It will not give you incredible strength or the ability to fly, However, you might adopt some of Superman's confidence while you're dancing around in those clinging tights. 
putting on hope can shift our perspective. It can give us a resiliency and a buoyancy. It can make us grateful. It can turn our eyes to God, the giver of hope. So this Halloween and every day, let's put on hope. Bow your heads with me. Lord, you are so near to the brokenhearted. You are so near to those who are in the pits, those who are suffering, those who are struggling. Lord, you are so near. And I pray, God, especially for those people today, for the people who are feeling no hope at all. I pray for them. And I ask that you would give from your heavenly stores of abundant hope, that you would give some of that today to those who are hurting. Help us to know our hope, to appreciate our hope, to put on our hope. In Jesus' name, amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.